Welcome to the Hands in Motion podcast, brought to you by the American Society of Hand Therapists. Here we will discuss all things upper extremity therapy, from assessment to treatment, the latest research, the patient experience, and other topics related to the field of upper extremity rehab. Learn more and subscribe today at ASHT.org. Welcome back to Hands in Motion. During the first week of January, I had the opportunity to travel to Sierra Leone in Western Africa with three other hand therapists to educate other healthcare professionals and treat survivors of a gas explosion that occurred in November of 2021. On this episode, we are joined by the leader of our trip, Karen Raming, an occupational therapist and certified hand therapist who has a servant's heart and a special place in her heart for the people of Sierra Leone. Karen shares with us how this trip came to be, and we discuss the challenges to providing medical care in an underdeveloped country and how we used our creative therapist minds to treat these burn survivors. Well, welcome to Hands in Motion, Karen. We're excited to have you on this episode. Tell our listeners, I had the privilege of spending the last week with you and really got to know you, but tell our listeners a little bit about yourself. My name is Karen Raining, and I have been an occupational therapist. I had to do a little calculating for 39 years, and then I started my master's in neuro, but then had the opportunity to work with a hand surgeon and fell in love with hands. So I've been working in hands for 37 years. I was doing hand therapy when ASHT had the requirement of you had to complete a full three-ring binder application process. And I think you had to have five or seven, it seemed like 20 copies that you had to put this all together and send it in. So I was very happy when we started certification and I did certify in 1991. I've had the opportunity to serve on ASHT board and committees, the HTCC research committee. I really enjoyed being an item writer for HTCC and then also got to serve on the Texas Society and therapy board. So I've had a lot of fun. And then I've also been part of this Sierra Leone mission since 2008. Wow. I can't imagine having to put together a binder. I'm so glad we've moved. No, I know. That That sounds really daunting. Case studies, (laughs) letters of recommendation. Yes. Oh my goodness. One of the guests on one of the previous podcasts were telling us all the lengthy application process and everything you had to go through. And I couldn't imagine. (laughs) (laughs) Before computers. (laughs) Before computer savviness, yes. You had to mail it, snail mail, huh? Yes. yes. (laughs) All these binders had to be mailed. Yes. Well, it's clear from just that brief intro that you have a heart for service, service to your profession, service to others. And I had the opportunity to serve alongside you, I guess now almost two weeks ago in Sierra Leone, Africa. So tell us, well, Tell Stephanie and our listeners (laughs) a little bit about Sierra Leone and how you came to put together a group of hand therapists to travel halfway across the world to serve. (laughs) Don't you wonder what's wrong with these therapists? (laughs) Like I said, I started going to Sierra Leone in 2008. And at that time, the United Nations rated Sierra Leone is the poorest country in the world. So they've moved up a little bit. They're still definitely in the bottom 10. Now Sierra Leone is rated as the 
most undeveloped country in the world. And they had a 10-year civil war. It's the blood diamond country. So they just wiped out a whole generation of people. When that happened, they had nobody to be able to rebuild the country after everything was blown up, shot up, destructed. So I was in Sierra Leone in July, August of 2022. And I was talking to a social worker there that was just fascinating telling me her story of how she got there. And she asked me what I did. And I said, well, I'm an occupational therapist. And her eyes lit up. I said, no, 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 I don't do children. I just do hands. So there's really no function for me yet in Sierra Leone. They're just not to that level. She said, well, stop right there. I disagree with you. She said there was a gas explosion and over 300 people were killed. And then there are all these burn victims. They got treated for the emergency burns, but then we're kind of left. And so now they have all these contractions. They can't use their hands. A lot of them are what they were called Okada drivers. They're like the motorcycle taxis. Those people can make a good living and be able to put food on the table for their family, but they could not drive their Okadas because of these contractions in their hands. She said they just need somebody to come in and give them exercises or show them what to do. So that's where this was born. God put on my heart that we needed some hand therapists and we needed to be able to work with some medical staff there to help teach them what to do and how to help these people. So I came back and started working on this and put out a message just to the Texas therapists of this opportunity. And God had also put on my heart four, four therapists to go and Four makes a good number. It's an even number. So we could have even numbers for sleeping in the accommodations where we were. And it's easier to get around through the country. It's hard to travel in Sierra Leone. So I had 13 people that responded that were interested. And again, I was like, okay, Lord, what are we going to do here? You told me four. I got 13 excellent candidates. How am I going to get this to four? And he took care of that. We ended up with We call ourselves the Fab Four, and we were Fab Four all through Sierra Leone on this trip. So you had mentioned um, that you took therapists. Was there any other medical professionals that went along as well? Nope, it was just the four of us. So we had three OTs and one PT. And I did give Kara a hard time frequently about, you know, she just doesn't have the creativity of the OT. Exactly. She's pretty creative, that Kara. So I guess you PTs. And it's just such, it's just, I've always loved how the field of hand therapy, the specialty of hand therapy has put PTs and OTs together. So we have the strengths and the similarities together that really make us a very strong specialty. We were lucky to have Kara on this this team because we also ended up treating a lot of feet. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, geez. (laughs) So there were definitely whole body burns and there were feet. Yeah. (laughs) So how did you organize it? Like the patients, did they have to sign up? Was there recommendations from the clinicians there? Like how did that process work? That's a really good question, Stephanie. So again, We're talking about undeveloped country. And so there's not a lot of organization. So a lot of that, and Kara can speak to this too. It was very difficult first finding out how to contact these burn victims 
And yeah, we originally called them burn victims and decided we had to call them burn survivors after we worked with them. There was a complete change in them. So ended up getting in contact with government officials. And there was the Department of Emergency and Recovery. So they apparently that director appointed a team of people to contact these burn victims that were still alive and let them know that we were going to be there. So I also worked with a physician assistant. They call them CHOs, certified health officials in Sierra Leone. And he's like the the director of the hospital clinic. It's like a little community hospital clinic and didn't get a whole lot of response from him. But he said, yes, he was interested. Yes, he had staff that we, you know, they all love education there. So our plan was to do lecture and lab. And then we set up times that the burn patients would come to be treated. When we got to this little community, it was called Waterloo. We got there and I have a few contacts. I've made a lot more contacts from this trip. One of the he was a college student when I first met him in 2012. His name is Amadou. And he was helping me make contacts with the government. He has a degree in communications and is now in law school. He wants to be able to be a voice for the people that don't have a voice. So he was helping get a lot of this organized from the Sierra Leone side. He called to make sure that we were lined up for the burn victims. We had decided we had a driver that was taking us around the country who was amazing. His name was Osman. We were very impressed with Osman. So he became a critical part of our team as well. We were going to have him drive back and forth. Amadou had identified for me there's a bus halt or bus stop. They called a bus halt in the community where the burns happened. And it was like a 20 to 30 minute drive from the clinic where we were going to be able to use to do our education and treatment. So the victims would come to that bus halt and then Osman, the driver, would pick them up and bring them to the clinic, go back and get another group and go back and forth. When Amadou called to check on that, no one had been contacted. No burn victims had been contacted. So we again checked with the director of the emergency recovery and they put a new person on oh we also talked to the advisor to the president so he made sure things got going well we got a little guy named sylvester and he got right on i think he was contacting people all through the night in the meantime osman didn't like that idea of driving back and forth going through the tolls and traffic in the area so he came up with the idea and this was one of kara's favorite words the poda poda like a little bus van that we could rent that. They could bring all the victims at once and take them all back. There would still be some that would come on the Okada, the little motorcycle taxis, and we would reimburse them for that. The enticement was that we were going to provide lunch for them. And again, they're hungry. Food is difficult. So the first day we served pizza and most of them had never even seen or heard of pizza And we put these boxes of pizza in front of them and they just looked at it like, what is this and what do I do with this? (laughs) Right, Kara? (laughs) But they enjoyed it. They loved the pizza. They were very excited. So yeah, things were just kind of happening again. I mean, it was by the grace of God that all these little parts that were still kind of floating around out there came together for the Fab 14. 
we talked a lot about, I mean, we had meetings before we took the trip about how as occupational and physical therapists, as certified hand therapists, we're planners, we're organizers, you know, we like to set things up and have them be right. But when we're going to a developing country, we can make all the plans in the world and it might be completely different when we get there. So we were all ready that instead of treating hands, we might all be delivering babies. Well, we did get to treat hands. We did get to do education with the medical staff. After the first day with the medical staff and with treating the burn victims at that time, I think we came back to where we were staying in our hotel and we were all kind of discouraged because the staff just really wasn't getting it. We tried to regroup and figure out how we were going to help them get it. And the next day they did. We had, again, great educators. We did a lot of hands-on, just a lot of repetitions. Kept talking about keep it simple, keep it simple. One of our one of our therapists said, well, I want to make sure that they know how to do joint mobilization, concave on convex. And we said, simpler, that's way too difficult. And so, yeah, we definitely understand how to make it simple, simple, simple. And even their mode of treatment is pain medication. And so people still don't move. So this was very revolutionary for them to show people how to exercise, how to move. And then mobilizing those joints, moving bones on bones was something really foreign to them. Well, I think too, Karen, even just knowing our audience, we weren't really sure who all was going to be in the audience. And so as therapists, we're thinking, okay, let's think about how we would educate other therapists. But in the room, there were midwives, there were nurses, there were CHOs, like Karen was saying, like PAs. And so they didn't have, they weren't coming from a therapy background they were coming from a very different background, still a medical background, but not from a sense of exercise or joint mobility or even just educating them on scar massage or and relating it to maybe their field. Or I remember, I think the first or second day, I looked at one of the midwives and I said, okay, we can think about scar massage Similar to like after you deliver a baby, I've never done this, but (laughs) my understanding is massaging the uterus to make it smaller. That's similar to and kind of paralleled that to scar massage. We want to do that. We want to make these burn victim survivors scar smaller. And so kind of that same concept. So trying to relate it back to their fields too. But as Karen said, we had to really take a step back. We weren't informing them on joint kinematics. It was more, let's just get them moving. And actually, one of the things that one of the participants said was like, okay, well, what what are you leaving for us? What kind of equipment did you bring for us? What kind of machines did you bring? We and some we, warm-up equipment. We need, yeah, we yeah. Need, yeah, what are you bring? What did you bring? What are you leaving for us? And we just held up our two hands and I and said, these are our machines. This is what you're going to use. And we're going to use our hands to get these patients to move. And their eyes get really big, like, what are you talking about? (laughs) So your goal was really to educate the healthcare providers over there so that they can implement these techniques to the patients that were coming to the clinic. You know, what was so exciting about that, too, is they started asking questions. Well, can we only use these techniques on burns? Can we do these on other people with stiffness? Like if, you know, if they've broken a bone or if 
they've sprained something, you know, or if they're just stiff, you know, we're like, yes, 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 you can move. <laughs> Here's one more thing that's going to make you therapists really, really jealous. Okay. And I don't see this here in America. We had home programs for every single person that came in and we had worked with the staff before they came in about the home programs, about moving. Of course, our home programs were all hands with the pictures that one of our therapists had made for us. Well, we were treating a lot of feet, a lot of shoulders, a lot of elbows, legs, hips, necks. These people, you know, they carry stuff on their heads all the time. Heavy stuff on their head, big stuff, long stuff, crazy stuff. And when they got burned, they didn't do that for a while. So they come back and start carrying stuff on their heads. Everything's unbalanced. So we start getting cervical issues. Again, we were really glad to have Kira, the PT, with us. But we gave them all exercises. Most of those patients that from the first day came back the second day, most of them did not bring their exercises with them. But get this, therapist, they all knew their exercises. They had them memorized and they were doing them the first day. They were all talking about how much better they felt. Look, look what I can move. Look at this. So isn't that incredible? <laughs> we had a high adherence rate to home exercise programs <laughs> in that day. I'm so excited to be able to move. It was just... Well, and I'm sure they didn't have that intervention. So here you guys are, and I'm sure appreciative as much as they could be, you know, so they're going to follow through. They don't have that opportunity. So... I'm sure they were very excited to be able to to have anything to try and get to move. So I have a couple of questions. And Carrie, you can answer as well, because I think I'm interviewing both of you. But <laughs> that's okay. As far as a language barrier, was there a language barrier? And how did you overcome that? Well, Sierra Leone is officially an English-speaking country. So anybody that has been to school speaks English. But English is probably their third or fourth language. So they have at least one tribal language, maybe two. There's also a Creo, K-R-I-O. It's a mix of languages. Sierra Leone's kind of a unique country. When when slavery was ended, the slaves were released to Sierra Leone, to Freetown. When the slaves came to America and to England, they were all from different tribes. They didn't speak English. They didn't speak each other's languages. So they developed this Creole language. And you'll kind of hear a mix of it of a lot of different languages. So that's their first language. And so some of our patients did not have good English, but they're all the medical staff has good English. They all have an African accent, but they have good English. And they could translate for anybody that did not speak English or did not have good English skills. Now, geographically, what area, like Northern Africa, Southern, like what location? So Sierra Leone is Western Africa. And so, you know, that part that bubbles out, it's kind of the bottom of the bubble on the West Coast. So it is on the Atlantic Ocean. It's about the size and shape of South Carolina. Um, so it was a nice, easy port for the slave trade. Yeah, going back to the language, there were times that you'd hear someone speaking Creole, and then all of a sudden you'd hear an English word and go, wait a minute, I picked up a little bit. <laughs> so your ears were always perked. But luckily, we were able to communicate. And like Karen said, we brought exercise sheets that had pictures of 
I would say some of the most common, I mean, tendon gliding was on there and a few passive stretching exercises to give to patients, but they were all for the hand. And we did have to get a little creative. I felt like our acting skills were on too. We did a lot of demonstrating and there were times, I am not an artist, but there were times that I was trying to draw out hamstring stretches or ankle strengthening with TheraBand. So we had to get a little creative with our demonstration and and drawing skills too when language was a bit of a barrier. The first day we started out lecture with the medical staff and then we broke into groups. So each of us, four therapists, had four medical staff that we were working with and we do kind of lab hands-on practicum. I mean, they just eat up education. They get so excited about anything new that we can teach them. And again, this was revolutionary for them. So the first day, you did the lecture. It was great. Broke into their groups. We were working on the different things. Motion, passive motion, active motion, scar massage. If they're sensitive to touch, you know, what we do to calm those nerves down. And then here comes the patients. And you just kind of see panic on all of their faces. And my group said to me, Karen, you're going to do the evaluation and the treatments, right? Just to start out and then we will do it later. And I said, I'll do whatever you need me to do. Well, pretty much, I think all of our groups, I was pretty much doing all the evaluations and the treatments, but we were talking about it, each one as we went, why and how. The second day, I never touched a single person. I didn't touch a single patient. I was between my different groups. I broke my group into two then. We had thought each person would be treating patients on their own, but they didn't have that much confidence. But in their pairs, so I was watching my two pairs with their patients and came over to one and said, did you check whatever it was? Yes, Karen, we already did that. And then she said to me later, Karen, do you remember yesterday we were afraid to touch the patients or do anything, but you have not done anything today. And I said, I know you guys got this. I just need to zip <laughs> up my lips and go sit down. <laughs> they were much like our American students where oh, they yes. might come in quite timid. And then once they get their wings, they fly and <laughs> take care of what's needed. And I even had, I had one of the CHOs with me and the second day he came back and said, yeah, I've got this patient that's coming to see me. And I was telling the mom to do all these different things. And so like Karen said, we saw the light bulbs go off and they got super excited that second day and were already implementing what we were teaching them with other patients too, not just these specific burn victims, survivors. Survivors, yes. So from a functional standpoint, so prior to these patients coming in to see you, like, did you get any information on like, what jobs did they do? Were they doing what they needed to do with their limitations? Currently, any adaptive methods, you know, did you instruct them in any adaptive methods? How they could do things easier? I know you had mentioned earlier about some of their jobs and But like from a functional standpoint, or even just their basic self-care, you know, dressing, bathing, those kind of things, were you able to help them out in that aspect? So yes, we did find out what their jobs were. And they were so mixed of how they were doing. I did have one that had his whole body burned from feet, legs, torso, arms, hands, face, And he's the one that was back to driving his Okada. And it was so painful for him to do that every day. So some of them were back at jobs. Some of them were not because they were in too much pain. 
Some of them had family support. Some of them did not. We were prepared to do a lot of adapting with this. Performance Health had provided us with, we had TheraBand. We had the Loop TheraBand, which I had not used before, and that was wonderful. We had Dyson. We had a lot of silicone gel sheets and silicone gel pads. We all had scissors. We had ACE bandages that we were planning to use for stretching. We had flexion gloves. What else did we have here? Oh, lotion. Oh, my (laughs) gosh. What was our lotion we were using? Like Ucern or something. Something very simple. Very simple. Oh, my gosh. A couple of them wanted to know where they could buy that in Sierra Leone. They had been using different oils for things that they could get their hands on, and they loved the Eucerin. So we had a bunch of little bitty Ziploc bags. So we were just giving them all Ziploc bags of Eucerin. But again, they hadn't been touched. They hadn't been moved. So the biggest thing, and you know, just because of time constraints too, I think that just getting them to move was miraculous. And how that made them feel better. And then, you know, also getting that message across. We want to move without pain. We want to touch without pain. You know, how do we start and what do we go towards? So self-care, I had one man that came in with, he had a shoe on his right foot and then just barely a shoe on his left foot because the top of his foot had been burned and he couldn't stand anything to touch that. So again, talk to my group, you know, what's going on? Their nerves are sensitive. Yes. Well, what do we need to do for massage? Do we do it heavy? Do we do it light? We do it light and we watch his face to make sure we're not hurting him more. Well, we hadn't gotten into the silicone gel sheet. So I went and got one, showed one of my little team members, you know, what we do with it, why making the corners rounded. So after they did the little massage and sensory, we're telling him what to do. I said, now we got to get that lotion off before we put the silicone gel sheet on. How are we going to get that lotion off? Oh, we had a bunch of alcohol pads too. And we had like washcloths, little towels. So, oh, we can use the alcohol pads. Yes, we can. Are you going to rub hard? Are you going to rub soft? We're going to do soft and we're going to watch his face. Yes. So they got the lotion off and then, you know, they were getting the silicone gel sheet covering it. They were rubbing, 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 rubbing every single part of that silicone gel sheet. So then the guy, you know, was smiling and I said, okay, you have any questions about anything? Do you know what you're going to do at home? No, I'm good. So he put his shoe on his right foot again and did not put his shoe on the left. And I said, you need to put your shoe on your left foot. Oh no, I'm too sensitive. I said, just try it. And he looked at me like, are you crazy lady? And he put his shoe on and just lifted his face up with this big smile. And he walked out without limping with that shoe on his foot. Those simple little things. I know there were a couple of, Karen mentioned earlier that a lot of really just, I would say all through the country, instead of carrying heavy bags in their arms, they put things on their head. And it's amazing the balance that they have (laughs) watching these people walk down the street with baskets of bread and oranges and and whatnot. Whatever they have, even a bag they'll put on their head. We do have a picture of Kara with with a big I tried, tried. (laughs) but I remember there was one of the survivors that mentioned that and said, I walk to the market daily and I work at the market and she was having fairly significant neck pain. And so one of the other therapists, Molly worked really hard with her, just getting everything calmed down because that was her livelihood. And that's how she got to and from that was her like mode of transport and getting her livelihood to and 
from work and home and whatnot. And so if she didn't have the stability at her neck, if she didn't have the mobility at her neck either, and she was in such severe pain. And so that was one of the things that that Molly definitely worked on with her. And I interacted with a few others that, from a functional standpoint, talked about just the inability to pick up heavy pots and for cooking. And we talked through some different techniques of building up, you know, whether they're using a larger towel or something, just building up their grip. We didn't have access to things like foam for utensils or whatnot, but we talked through some other other ideas to build build up utensils or build up their pots and pans and whatnot. So just like Karen mentioned earlier, just being creative with what you have and the resources that are available to you. Now, will they follow through with anything with the healthcare providers that are there? Or is it pretty much like, hey, they came in, they learned the massage, the exercises, the range, those kind of things. And then Will there be any follow-up care, I guess, is my question. That's a great question, Stephanie. That's something that we kind of left up in the air. And that's a question we were having for ourselves, our team, you know, for the medical providers there. And also the medical providers asked that. And so, you know, I said, you guys can follow up with any of these. And, And we told the patients, if you have any questions or problems, you can come back. So... Yeah, the whole organization thing is just not there. But I think, Kara, what do you think if some of those people are having trouble that they will come back? Yeah, I got that impression that some connections were made with staff. And I don't think it'll be a regular occurrence, but they at least have a resource if need be. No, it sounds like just even for them to physically get there might be challenging because if you guys were able to pick them up and bring them that might not be available for them in a couple weeks from now, a couple months from now, whatever. But it sounds like you educated them enough that they should be able to follow through with what they need to do if by chance they weren't able to get back there. So we also had that, you know, little Mr. Sylvester that contacted everybody. So they WhatsApp. Everybody has WhatsApp. So they've got his WhatsApp number. So my thought is, so we've got the government involved. If they did have a problem and they needed to get back, they can contact little Mr. Sylvester and Sylvester might be able to say, okay, yes, we'll give you money for an Okada to get you back over there to see. And I think the other thing that's neat is the camaraderie and the teamwork between the healthcare workers at this clinic that they will support each other also, because again, this is so new for them. They do have our email information, so they can contact us if they need to, you know, if there are questions that they didn't feel comfortable with. But I think our medical people, our midwives, our nurses, and our PAs are good about motion and calming the sensory system. Yeah, and I think that was one of our goals was, We wanted to leave them empowered to carry this out. And whether it's the patients, we wanted them to leave with some tangible things that they could be working on that we've addressed. We know SCAR doesn't change overnight. And so I hope that we impressed upon them too, that this is something that they've got to continue working on, but they will slowly see these changes. And then two, 
leaving the clinicians empowered too, that they know, one, if these survivors come back to them or if they see someone else that presents similarly, they too have the necessary skills that they can say, hey, I remember learning this technique. Let's try it. Let's see if it would work with you. There's a great big hospital and it's in the heart of Freetown, the capital, which would be hard for these. Some of these people probably live close to there, but that would be something that I would like to do in the future too. They have physical therapy there. And a lot of these patients were seen by physical therapy and, you know, some of the reports they give, you know, you're trying to make sense of why and what, but I would love to be a part of that system too. And education, just working with them. Another thing that you mentioned, Stephanie, was other therapists that have been on mission trips and, you know, all the things that we take and all the things that they really can't use the things. I made all the therapists that were interested in this trip respond to a questionnaire. And one of them was, I think, why do you want to go on this trip? And the big answer was, I want to use my expertise, my special skills as a certified hand therapist to help people in another country and in an undeveloped country. Well, I think what we all learned, and I think you will agree with this, Kara, we did not use our expertise, therapist skills, but we use what's inherent to us as therapists, and that is loving, caring people, and we read people and respond to people, and, and we can respond to all these different personalities. Those are skills that we have that make us good therapists. And that, I think, was what was most important of what we used in this situation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, as hand therapists and just general therapists, we use our hands and our heart, you know, more so than anything. Like, I don't need the fancy equipment. You guys didn't need the fancy equipment. It's just about relating to that person, identifying what their loss is and what they need to make them feel better, you know? And I think that's what you guys did, or it sounds like that's what you guys did when you were there and just really paid attention to what their needs were. Yeah, I think we really saw that the second day when they came back and you could just see in their eyes, like we made a connection with them and they were excited to show us almost to perform for us. Like, look at what you taught me, but look at what I'm able to do now. And so, yeah, it wasn't a fancy orthosis that we fabricated because we didn't have the electricity for that. It was just what we might say is a simple exercise, but to them, it meant a lot. And they were excited to show us that home program. My patients here in the States aren't always excited to come back and show me, <laughs> show me those exercises or even able to remember a day later. So it was exciting to see that connection. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm sure. It sounds like it was an amazing experience. And we appreciate, you know, the fact that you guys went over there and were able to try and make a difference. I know it's only a small difference, but I'm sure it means a lot or meant a lot to a lot of people, not just here, but, you know, over there as well. You know, to piggyback on what Kara was saying about them coming back the second day and just their change, when they came in the first day, they were slouched forward, their heads were down. There was just misery emanating from everything about them. And pretty much when they left that day, they walked, their posture was more erect, their heads were up, there were smiles. And then, like Kara said, even more so the next day. And then we were told by our little 
driver that had the idea of bringing them all on the poda that they had written a song for us and that they had some speeches that they wanted to make Russell when when we were done with the day they wanted us to sit up there at the front and they did have speeches and then they sang us a song and it was about you know you came all this way to help us you are going back home tomorrow you will be far away. We will not be able to see you, but you will always be in our hearts. We will be praying for you, for your safety. You have done so much to help us and we can't appreciate you enough. It was just very heartwarming. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to ask each of you, if you had to identify one thing that was the most memorable thing that happened in your trip, whether it's related to the experience itself or whether it's related to treating patients or people that you met, what would each of you say? For me, it was exciting seeing, you know, I, I've been to Sierra Leone many times and having these three other therapists come with me. I still can't figure out why they took that step to go, you know, into this situation. But seeing what they did and how they worked with the medical staff, empowering that staff. So it wasn't just a few patients that were touched. It was that medical staff that touched those patients, those patients that are touching everybody else and all the other people that that medical staff is going to touch too. But I just am so amazed with those therapists and how they adapted We had some difficult situations. We had some uncomfortable situations environmentally, physically, emotionally, and just bounced and continued. I think that was exciting for me. Psalm 37, 4 says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. And that has a whole new meaning for me now because we were all delighting ourselves in the Lord of what the Lord wanted us to do. And it wasn't what we would ideally say would be our desire, but our hearts were so filled and so full that he gave us even more than what we would ever have dreamed of for ourselves. I can't imagine what you feel like inside after doing one of these. It's just, I'm sure it's just very rewarding. And Kara, I'm asking you. (laughs) (laughs) as she sits there quietly. Oh man, one thing that's really hard. I think just anytime you travel and have the experience of interacting with people that are of a different culture and a different way of life, they do become family. I've been on other mission trips before, not medical. This was the first medical mission trip. But you don't forget them. And I think just the connections that you make. And Karen said earlier that the second day when we came back, or even at the end of the first day, that the burn survivors, like you could just tell they were holding themselves differently. They came back the next day just a little taller and just had a a different way about them. I think that could probably be said about the Fab Four too. After that first day, we were tired I think we were feeling a little, we just had all the feels, all the feels about how the day went. But that second day, I think we were all a little puffed up too. And we were holding our heads a little higher because we saw that connection. And so I think that left a big impression on me and just the chance to meet healthcare providers, the chance to meet people who suffered these horrific injuries, but we're seeing themselves now as survivors 
was really meaningful. And I think that even like Karen said, we thought we were going to do hand therapy and we ended up doing, I had to pull out (laughs) things from PT school 2005. Like (laughs) it was a challenge, but the opportunity to interact with people who aren't like me and who made a lasting impression on my life too, that I think that just made the trip. Absolutely made the trip. I really appreciate you guesting. And actually, I'm going to say both of you, because even though Kara was <laughs> Kara's a co-host, we're going to say she was kind of being interviewed as well. But Karen, I really appreciate you taking the time to speak with both of us as well. And good luck in any further missions that you have scheduled and planned to do. I'm sure you have plenty more. <laughs> Your work is not done yet. <laughs> no. <laughs> Thank you so much. I really enjoyed sharing this with us. Yeah, Yeah. it was great. Thank you. Yes. A huge thank you to Karen one for being a guest on the podcast and two for allowing me to travel with you for a week and show me this country that you obviously have fallen in love with and fallen for the people. And to our listeners, I would say if you ever have the opportunity for a trip like this, say yes. I think it'll change you personally. It'll change you professionally. And yeah, just an opportunity of a lifetime. So thank you, Karen, for showing me Sierra Leone and introducing me to the people of Sierra Leone and also for being with us on this episode. My greatest pleasure. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Hands in Motion, brought to you by the American Society of Hand Therapists. You can listen on the ASHT website and or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, including Apple, Google, Amazon Music, and Spotify. When subscribed, please rate and review the podcast to help us reach new listeners and to continue offering valuable, relevant content. You've been listening to Hands in Motion, brought to you by the American Society of Hand Therapists. To learn more about ASHT and to subscribe to the show, please visit ASHT.org. We'll see you next time on the Hands in Motion podcast.